Well, hey, we're in part three of our series, Welcome to the Family. In the first week, we talked about the, the challenges of Christmas. We looked at the life of Zachariah, and Zachariah had some challenges. And, and the fact is, his challenges led to disappointment with God. He was disappointed with God because his wife wasn't able to have a child. And when the message came to him, he was going to have a child he didn't believe. Because of that, he had a little time out from God. And how many of you know sometimes when we get off course and we don't believe and we're not walking right with the Lord, God gives us little timeouts. And you know what timeouts are? They're, time, they're, they're God's little love token to you and I to try to get our attention, how to help us just see he really is our source and he's there for us and he is our helper today. And God never leaves us in timeout. He's always got a plan. And God did bring forth a child through his wife, Elizabeth, and she would give son to the greatest man ever born other than Christ. His name was John the Baptist. And then the last week, we talked about when we get disappointed with other people. So, and this is how offense happens in our life. This is how we do get what disappointment leads to. It leads to timeouts. And, and uh, Joseph, Joseph had the potential to be disappointed with Mary. And all of us know there are times we get disappointed with other people. However, Joseph didn't stay disappointed because God had a word for him, and Joseph did believe. Joseph didn't get the same time out that Zachariah got, and because Joseph believed, God really showed favor on him. And, and today we're going to continue in this series, Welcome to the Family. And the fact is, in our families today, families are special to us, and, but Christmas is a time of celebration. It isn't just a time of challenge or a time of comfort. Christmas is a time of celebration. And I don't know about you and your life, but I, I look forward to the Christmas season. As a matter of fact, for 56 years of my life, Christmas has always been a time of celebration. And when I, I was just looking back, I was going down memory lane, thinking about Christmases over my life. And you know, the Christmases that I remember is when something unique or special happened. You know that? When something unique or special happened. I remember our very first Christmas Eve in this community. City Church was meeting in a movie theater, and so we, uh, we didn't have a Christmas Eve facility to have a Christmas Eve service. And so we decided to take a little road trip. We've been doing that now for over 20 years. We've been taking road trips every Christmas. And now we do it on Christmas Day. This, this year, we literally will be flying out Christmas Day at 6 a.m. in the morning. And we're on our way back to see my son and his wife. We're going to go. We're going to celebrate Christmas with them, my other son. But we're always with family. And my little boy, my boys at the time, they were little. They were eight and three. And, and so we decided to take a road trip. We, were, we had never been to Charleston before. We had read about the magic of Charleston at Christmas, the lights, and, and just a beautiful little town there. And, and, and so we, we decided to take off. We left in the evening. And, and my boys, around 11 o'clock, we had still not arrived yet. And, and my boys were tired and they were hungry. You know what you call that? Hangry. They were hangry, really hangry. And you had one question from the back seat. You know what it was? Are we there yet? We're hungry. Are we there yet? And we hadn't got there yet, and we actually had come to Savannah. And we got to Savannah. We were looking for someplace to eat. And I got to tell you, you go Christmas Eve looking for someplace to eat at 11 o'clock at night. The Chinese restaurants aren't even open any longer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but there was a yellow flashing sign that we saw down the freeway and said something like this. Maybe you've ever heard of this place before. Waffle House. Anybody heard of Waffle House before? Well, Waffle House it was at 11 p.m. at night, and we pulled into Waffle House, and we had a Christmas breakfast eve, however all that works that night, and my boys were satisfied. But the thing that I remember, not just the Waffle House, although that was my first experience at Waffle House, 
and it would be my last, you know. But it was, not only did they stop at Waffle House stick in my memory, when we walked outside, there was this little white fluffy stuff that falls from the sky sometimes. We never see it down here in Orlando, but they see it a little farther up north there. And it was a magical moment. It was a moment that we'll never forget. Our family, that was a special time. Christmas Eve, 1999. Wow. A night to remember. You know, when we look at the celebrations of Christmas, I, I want to walk through the story, the story of Jesus' birth, because the fact is there's a lot to celebrate today. There's a lot to celebrate today. There's the story that we look at today. It isn't just Jesus, but it's got Mary and Joseph and John the Baptist and Zachariah and Elizabeth. It's got some other people. They're called family. They're called family. And so if you have your little notes today, and I would hope you would follow along. I'm going to try to walk through this. I won't get too far off track this morning, but Christmas is a time to celebrate family. Everyone say family today. I want you to look at the story of Jesus's birth in Luke chapter one, beginning with verse number 39. The Bible says a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea. This is important. Mary hurried. This word in the Greek has this sense like there's a, like, there's like, not only is there an excitement, man, but it's, I, I have to tell somebody, I've got to, I've got to go quickly. Now, from, from where she was in Nazareth, well, if you go to Israel with us in just a couple of months, you'll actually go to this little town to the hill country of Judea was about 70 miles. Now, some people say she took a donkey. The fact is people in that part of the world don't take donkeys because they're way too slow. Like donkeys don't go at your pace. Donkeys go at their pace. And that's like whenever they want to go. If they want to stop, they stop, and you ain't telling them where to go. They just stop. And so she walked in 70 miles, I don't know, four, five, six days. It was quite a journey for her to walk, but she comes to the place where Zachariah lived, and she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child within her and Elizabeth were both filled. Everyone say filled with the Holy Spirit. They were both filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary hurried. Mary had something to say. You know, there's something about families when we get together. There's something that, there's something we can share with families. You know, you might not have seen a family member for a whole year, but when you get together around the holidays, man, it's like you just picked up right where you left off. It's like you were having a conversation. You didn't put a period on it a year ago. You put a comma on it. And when you get back together, you just start right back where you left off before. And what happens in families, you get to share some struggles. You get to share some things that maybe you wouldn't tell anyone else because they know you better than anyone else. And as I look at this story, what I want you to see that there is something supernatural taking place here. Yes, the, the, the conception of Christ was supernatural. Yes, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Yes, it was a one and done. Yes, that was miraculous, supernatural, unbelievable incarnation, virgin. The, the virgin conception of Christ was a miracle. Yes, but there's something else stirring here in the spiritual there's, there, there's family stories that are being shared. And Mary had to go. Mary had to go and find her cousin Elizabeth. The fact is today you're going to be with family. 
And I want you to open your eyes a little differently this Christmas. I want you to see Christmas a little differently. Maybe there's some broken relationships that need to be mended. Maybe there's some things that you need to make right that have never quite been making right, made right in your family. Maybe the Holy Spirit is going to do something different in your family this Christmas. I want you to see the Holy Spirit activity, not just through your natural eyes, a time of family getting together, and that's great, and we're going to do that, and we love to do that. It's why we celebrate our family. God's only given you one mom and dad and parent and grandparent and our, our, our extended family. But the fact is today, there was supernatural activity. And what I want you to see that when Mary, the one who was carrying the Christ child, walked into the room, Elizabeth and the baby within her were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. That's very unusual. As a matter of fact, if you are a Bible student, if you read your Bible beside just on the screen, but if you know the story of the church, you know that the Holy Spirit didn't come and descend and fill people until after Christ rose from the dead. It wasn't until after Jesus rose from the dead did the Holy Spirit come and fill Peter and the disciples and the 120 in the upper room and then 3,000 and 5,000. And then many of us here today, we've encountered that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We, we know that power. We know his presence. We know that he is alive in our hearts today. We've encountered him, but that Holy Spirit came on Elizabeth in a time when no one else, hear me today, no one else had ever been filled in this way on planet earth. Holy Spirit activity supernaturally working. And Elizabeth and John the Baptist filling them. Now, at Christmas time, what I've discovered is that people tend to be full of two kinds of spirits. There's the Holy Spirit, and then, then there's a not-so-Holy Spirit. And some of you buy that spirit in a bottle, and you pay a lot of money for it. And you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to get the same sensation, the same feeling, the same sense of joy that only the true spirit can give today. The Holy Spirit can give today. The Bible says, don't be drunk on wine. Come on. And to get in a fight with your cousin-in-law and end up in the clink on Christmas Eve. Don't be stupid. That's exactly what you read. Ephesians 5, 18, he said, don't be stupid. Like, don't be dumb. Don't get drunk on wine where it causes all kinds of problems, but be filled. Everyone say filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking to one, speaking to one another. Pastor Joe, I'm speaking to you in psalms and hymns. Pastor Victor, I'm speaking to you in psalms and hymns. Ashley, psalms. Natalie, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speaking to one of the psalms and hymns, spiritual songs. Christmas is the time to celebrate family. Did you hear what Paul said? Psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. Because Christmas is a time to celebrate song. Christmas is a time to celebrate the singing of songs. I love it. I love to hear the king's the kings. These are, you know, these kids, they are kings. These are kings and queens. These are kings and queens of God right up here. And when they open their mouth and begin to worship, you know what? Something happens. God actually listens when they're worshiping. Because they're, I saw this one girl over here. They were, she would just come on. She would just go on for God. God, some of you over there like this in worship. You're like, what's happening? Well, I don't know about that stuff over there. Little kid up there. God says, that's mine. 
That's my little queen right there. Come on, that little boy, second service. He got so full of the Holy Ghost, he ran around to three-year-olds about 10 times, man. You missed it, but I, I didn't, man. It's on video. I told the dad, yeah, you got that on video. You show that to him when he's about 17 years old with all of his buddies. Pull that out and just pop it in. That's what you did when you were three, champ. <laughs> oh, Christmas is the time that we... You ever notice Christmas songs, how they change the atmosphere? You notice that? When you go to the mall... You go to the, it used to be, it used to be a pretty good mall, Sanford Mall, it's sliding a little bit now. But, or you go to the Ultimate Mall, or, oh, wherever you go. Don't go to Costco, they don't play nothing there. But, but you go to the mall, and I tell you, man, they're playing songs, and it just changes the atmosphere. Come on, there's a sparkle in the air, and you hear the songs. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. And you hear that song. There's just a different spring in your step, right? Why? Because the songs about Jesus bring life. They bring joy. They bring peace. There's nothing like singing a Christmas carol. I don't know what we're singing on Christmas Eve, but I pray to the Lord we sing some Christmas carols here at City Church. I love it. Joy to the world. The Lord's come. I love the songs of Christmas. Mary, I want you to see what happens with Mary here. Look at, look what happens in here. Mary, she's encountered the Holy Spirit. She's now become pregnant. The child within her is going to be the savior of the world. She can't believe it. She's stunned. She's shocked. She, she doesn't even know what to think about this. And you know what her response is? Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Oh. When you get in a tough spot, what's the song that comes out of you today? When you get poked in life, and things happen, and are out of your control, I mean, do you sing the song of gloom, despair, and agony on me? Come on. Do you sing the song of the brokenhearted who have no hope? What song do you sing today? When Mary was stuck, when Mary was poked, when Mary was pushed into... Don't kid yourself, folks. 14-year-old girl getting pregnant by the Holy Spirit and going back and telling her family and friends in Nazareth that this was an immaculate conception. No way. Like it just does, just, just be real. Be real. Human natures never change. And like Will Rogers once said, people change, but not much. It's never changed. This was not acceptable for a 14-year-old girl. Guys, she starts to sing. She starts to sing a song. Because songs change the atmosphere of your heart. Thursday, my wife and I, it's been an interesting week, and a very interesting week. And I got extreme, and I, this happens so seldom, but I got, I left here Sunday, and after Sunday night, growth track, I just got really sick and went into Monday and Tuesday, and I mean sick, sick. I call it accordion sick, and you don't want to just picture that, but just it was sick, I'll just tell you that. And, and I was in this place, the secret place where you get wet and water comes out. And I was in that place and my soul was just dry. My soul was dry. I was, I was physically tired. We're going through a battle in our own family. And this song just came out that I learned as a young man. I love you, Lord, 
and I lift my voice. And as I begin to sing that song, the words just float out of me. They just float out of my heart. And I got to tell you, in that moment, it changed. Something changed inside of me. And that struggle and that wrestle through emotions, I just, in that moment, I gave them all back to the Lord. And that's what happens. You see, you know what Mary shows us when she sings this song? If you actually read the whole Psalms in Luke chapter one here, verse 46 and following, it's chock full of scripture. It's actually, she's singing songs of scripture. She's singing the songs of scripture over, she's singing them back to the Lord in her own wording. She's taking the words of the prophet Isaiah. She's taking the words of the psalmist David. She's taking the words from the book of Job and she begins to sing them back to God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. and Let us exalt his name together. She's singing the song of her father, David, when he's going through a difficult time and he's being chased through the wilderness and, and his father-in-law doesn't like him and life is difficult and he's finding himself in front of a king's house by the name of Abimelech and he's like, oh, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me, I will bless his holy name. Oh, the song that turns and transitions the human heart from lack and sorrow and lack of strength to joy, to peace, to hope, to victory. I love the songs of Christmas. One of the songs that we sang this morning, we're going to sing it here in just a few moments again, is the song Joy to the World. It was written by a guy by the name of Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts in 1742 was a young man and he was passionate for God. Now, we sing his songs today, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I sing the old hymns, and man, obviously the guys that wrote them back then, they meant something too, but sometimes they get quite complicated. As a matter of fact, Isaac Watts wrote so many songs, he wrote over 750 songs. And many of his songs in many churches are still sung around the world today. Come thou fount. But this one particular song, we sing it every Christmas. And the song is this. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You know why he wrote that song? As a 17-year-old man, he went to church, and there were a bunch of chosen frozen in his church. There were a bunch of people in a worship service and had their little hymn book open, and they would sing these hymns that were written to Scripture tunes, and it had absolutely no meaning to them. They were fulfilling what Jesus said, which he couldn't stand. Jesus couldn't stand when people worship God like this. He said, he quoted Isaiah, he said, you worship God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. And they would read some pages off of a book, but it had no meaning to him. Young Isaac Watts went to the preacher, who just happened to be his dad. He said, dad, I can't stand the songs we sing in church. You know what his dad said, son? We'll do something about it. And so he began to write, and he began to write, and he began to write. 750 hymns, joy to the world. And you know what that song was written about? It wasn't written just about baby Jesus in a manger. As a matter of fact, that wasn't his idea at all. What he was writing about was why Jesus really came. Jesus didn't come just be, to be born a baby in a, in a manger. No, 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 no. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to give his life for you and I. And that song isn't about just Jesus' birth, but that song points us to Jesus' return, to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is coming again for those who are looking and awaiting his appearing. 
And what happens in that moment when we begin to sing the songs of the Lord, it begins to point our heart in the right direction to the one who is coming for you and I again. Oh, the songs of God. What's the song of your heart today? The next thing that I want you to see this morning was that Christmas was a time of celebrating the sharing of gifts. Have you noticed this? We do each of these things. We get with family at Christmas. We sing songs at Christmas. We share gifts. You know that this all took place in the birth of Christ. All this surrounds the Christmas narrative and story. There were some wise guys. There were some wise guys. Maybe there were three. Maybe there were five. Maybe there were 10. I don't know. We'll call them three today, three kings, because the Hispanic community, at least in Puerto Rico, would like to do three kings there, right? Like, you guys, I love it. They take Christmas all the way out to, like, January 16th. I know it's the 6th, but they just keep, like, we're going to keep doing Christmas, man. We're just going to keep going. We're going to keep eating roast con pollo. We're just going to keep eating, man. We're going to keep eating. Let's go to Uncle's house, Tia's house, Tio's house. We're going to keep Abuelo's house. We're going to keep eating, you know? I love it. How many, I don't know how many wise men, how many ever you want there to be? Well, there are some wise guys. Matthew's gospel tells a story of these wise men coming. Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, Bethlehem's about four miles. You'll actually go to a little cave in June if you go with us. You'll go to a little cave where they think maybe Christ would have been born. You know, all these are just who knows, but it's sure close. I tell people it might not be the exact spot. But like from here to that X sign to the back of the door, that's close enough for me. You know what I mean? Come on. I mean, it's close. Even if it was down to the 7-Eleven down the street. I mean, it's close, man. It's a lot closer than where I am today. He was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. Now, there's a good king. There's a great king. There's one king. Come on. His name is Jesus, and he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Look at these wise guys. They, they're on their way to see the good king, but they bump into a bad king. Everyone say bad king. Everyone go, boo. Herod's a bad dude, man. You wouldn't want to be his boy. If he felt threatened by his son, you know what he'd do? I mean, he'd just kill him. This king, he was a master builder. You can go to Israel today. You can go all throughout ancient, that ancient world, and you'll see buildings that are still standing today that he built. He was a master builder, man. He knew how to put slaves to work. I mean, he did. He was a brutal man. He'd offered a sacrifice in the temple of God in Jerusalem with the blood of pigs, which is a complete abomination. He was a bad dude. He was a bad dude. And these wise men, they go to this king, and they realize, you know what? Uh, we probably need to keep going here. And so they, uh, they say, and, they, and, and he goes to the king, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it arose, and we've come to worship him. And he has a conversation with them. He said, you know, that's not going to work for us. So they continue to go. Verse number nine. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it arose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. One more thing. Verse 11. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down. They bowed down, and they worshiped him. And guess then what they do? And then they presented to him treasures of gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They met an earthly king, 
They weren't that impressed, honestly. Actually, they were terrified of this earthly king. They were on their way to see the one true king. But I want you to see what was in their heart as well. As you walk through the narrative of the Christmas story, you'll see each of the people that encounter Christ. There's angels, there's messages, there's supernatural encounters, there's miracles. There's just all kinds of activity of God. And this is so important because for 400 years, there had been no activity of God. All of a sudden now, God shows up on the scene. And do you know today that God wants to show up on the scene of your life? It might have been a long time since something happened in your life that you really said, you know what? God was at work in our midst, but I want you to know I'm believing that this Christmas season, that there is a supernatural activity of God that wants to take place. These magi, these wise men, they came to Christ as a little baby and they presented to him offering an act of worship. You know what so touches me about their hearts? You know what so touches me today? Is that they were people of faith. They had studied the stars and they knew somehow by the stars, the Bible doesn't tell us how, but they knew that this star was pointing them to the one true God. You know, when we study the stars, you know what it does? It points us to the one true God. When we study science and we study the world that we live in, when we study biology, when we study his story, it points us to the one true God, to the one who this whole thing is all about, to Jesus, to his story. And they came and, and they, were, they, they, they met the baby. They met the Christ child. He was with his mother. And the Bible says that they were overjoyed and they fell on their knees and they began to worship. You know what that was? That was their faith being realized. By faith, they stepped out and they believed. Do you know how you receive from God today? By faith. Do you know how miracles happen in your family today? By faith. By faith. Faith is simply this, trusting God when it never seems to be possible. Putting your trust and confidence completely in Him. You're saying with the Proverbs, trust in God with all of my heart. And I'm not going to lean on my understanding in this circumstance. I know the doctors have given them this report. I know that the, the financial situation looks like this. I know the marriage looks like this. I know the kids look like this. I understand that today. I understand the reality of your world. But I want you to know there's a God who works above the reality of your world. He's the God of the supernatural. And these wise men encountered him, and they knew it, and their life was never the same. And as an act of worship, they presented gifts. This is special today. I want you to hear this today. They didn't come to God empty-handed. They didn't come to God empty-handed. Yeah, bless God. What do you got for me this week, God? What's the preacher going to say this week, God? What do you got? What, what do you got? So, so many times our only conversation with God is we wanted him to be, gimme, 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 Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Gimme, Jimmy. Gimme, Jesus. Gimme, Jesus. Gimme, Jesus. Gimme money, Jesus. Gimme husband, Jesus. Give me, give, come on. Gimme, gimme. No, no. They worshiped him. They didn't come take from God. They came to give back to God. Oh, did you hear that today? What are you bringing back to God? Are you giving him your life? Are you really giving him your all? These guys, they gave him gold. You know what gold represented? An offering worthy of a king. There's a story in the Old Testament of a queen of Sheba, 
comes to Solomon and she brings him piles of gold. I mean, they tried to calculate it. It was like hundreds of millions. You know, today we still have gold. We don't use it to back our currency. There's a bunch of really wealthy people, like billionaire people. And you know what they got in their little secret bank accounts? You know what they got? They got gold. Lots of gold. That paper stuff. You can have that paper stuff on the internet. That's what they say. We want the real stuff. Gold. As a matter of fact, gold is such a royalty. Gold is so, so represents our king that when we get to heaven, we're going to see streets, streets that are paved with gold. Gold. They brought a gift worthy of a king. A king. Because Jesus is the king. But not only did they bring the gift of gold, they also brought the gift of frankincense. Frankincense is special because frankincense was a spice. The, the people would bring this spice to the temple and they would give it to the priest and the priest would take that spice and when he went in to offer incense. Incense, the Bible says, represents the prayers of the saints. Incense represents that which the priest would offer before God for the forgiveness of their sins. The frankincense would go into the, into the, into the temple, the holy place, and would go before God as a sweet-smelling saint. They would offer to God frankincense, that which represents the priestly gift. Do you know that Jesus is not just your king today? He's also your high priest. I'm not a priest today. I'm just a preacher boy. I'm just a yeller and a teller. I'm not your priest today. I'm not your padre today. I'm just one of the boys. I'm one of you. I, I, I got really sick this weekend. If you saw my wife and I, you would know that I'm just one of you. I was down. But there is a, there is a high priest. There is one who never sinned. Come on, there is one who made sacrifice for you. There is one who gave his life once and for all for you. The writer of Hebrews says, there were priests among men, but they couldn't do it. But there was a high priest who once and for all would give his life. And men who used to claw, women who used to climb, children who used to cry, try to find God, scratch for God, build gods, worship all kinds of false gods, make gods in their own image would no longer have to do that because now there was this one. He was the God of gods. He was the King of kings. He was the great high priest and he opened up the heavens. And the Bible says that when he went into heavens, he, he placed himself at the, at the seat of God's authority. And there he makes intercession as the great high priest. He prays for you night and day in your brokenness, in your pain, in your sin. When you were far from God, when you were putting something in your mouth, when you were trying to sign a contract, you were stuck in greed and your lust and your brokenness. That great high priest was crying out for you, calling out for you. God, that's my child. God, that's my daughter. God, that's my son. Oh, he's a great high priest. He's opened up the heavens once and for all. You know how he was able to do that? Because the last gift that they brought him was myrrh. Myrrh represented the prophet prophetic nature of Christ, the hundreds of prophecies. Old Testament, chock full of passages pointing to a coming Messiah. This child who would be born of a virgin, who would live a sinless life. Oh, yes. These gifts were special. 
See, the prophet, the prophet would stand and declare, unto us a child has been born. Unto us a son has been given. That myrrh represented that man who had laid down his life. The fact is today there's a story to tell. There's a story of Jesus' birth. What we celebrate today is the telling of the story of Jesus' life. And this is why he came. He came today because he loves you. That's why he came. It's so simple. I remember as a little, I mean, the, my earliest remembrances of Christmas, my dad with my family, my Jewish grandmother who didn't even believe in Jesus, my grandfather who was a scowling, alcoholic, agnostic. We gathered the whole family. You know what he would do? He was open his Bible and he'd begin to read the Christmas story. Tell about Jesus. Tell about Jesus. Here's the story of Jesus, really simple in a nutshell. Here's, it's, really it's called the gospel, good news. God loves you. Everyone say, God loves me. As a matter of fact, John 3, 16 encapsulates it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This simple story. It went from the wise men to the shepherds. Down through the generations. Down through the generations, the story has been told over and over and over. God loves you. God loves you. The story has been told that God loved you so much that he was willing to lay down his life for you. That's what he did. We don't have a dead Savior. We don't have a mythological Savior. We don't have a pie-in-the-sky Savior. No, we had a Savior who lived for 33 years on planet Earth. And when it came time to give his life, he said, boys, no man takes my life from me. I lay my life down freely as a ransom for many. You know who that many is? You're that many. You're that many. You're that many. You're that many. First service, two ladies confessed Christ as their Savior, went to the back, prayed, filled out a card, so they gave their heart to Christ today. Last service, hands all across the auditorium, people who were far from God, people who know, people who are listening, maybe like you today, at the sound of my voice, you know today, you know today the celebration of Christmas hasn't become really real to you. But Jesus did it for you. He laid down his life just for you. But here's the deal. You know why? because he longs to live with you forever. That's the story. He loves you. He laid down his life for you. And he longs to live with you and me forever. That's good. That's good, Melissa. That's for you. He wants to be with you forever. Or that's for you. Matt, that's for you. That's for you. Ellen, that's for you. Ivy, that's for you. Hmm. That's for you. That's for you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. All the way in the back of the blue shirt. He loves you. He laid down his life for you. So right back there. He loves you. Oh, yes, he does. He laid down his life for you. Pastor Joe, he wants to live with you forever and ever and ever. Oh. I leave you, but I'm coming back again. In this life, you're weary. You're a weary traveler. You're bumping and banging and signing contracts and making deals, trying to make it happen. I understand that. 
We got food to put on the table. We got Christmas presents to buy. We got family to see again. We got challenges. I understand that. There's a God who comes. There's a God who comforts us today. And here's the message that we can celebrate. There's a story. There's a story that God still changes lives. I got a phone call this week from the brother, one of the brothers in the church. And he said, I got to tell you the story. He said, I was at the gym with a couple of guys. Brother Larry right down, down here in the front. Larry was there. So I was at the gym this week and with Larry, my son, 15-year-old boy. And so we were working out. And he said, my son was playing, shooting some baskets on the court. And there was a guy in the court, an adult male. And they started talking. And he said, all of a sudden, I, I noticed the conversation. They, they stopped shooting baskets. And my son, the, the conversation started getting really intense. And he said, he was... He was looking right in this man's eye. and The guy was just really, he could tell that it was getting serious. He said, the next thing he knows, he, he saw his boy, his 15-year-old son, put his arm on this, his hand on this man's shoulder. And they bowed their heads and he began to pray. This dad's like wrecked. He's like wiped out, man. He's like, oh my. And so he said, I got to go and invite this guy to church. So he goes and runs. He just happened to have one of these in his car. And he invited the guy to church because he had to tell somebody. Come on. He had to tell somebody. He had to tell somebody. I don't know what happened with that man. I don't know the rest of his story. Neither do you. But I know there's a story to tell. Come on. These shepherds, man, they had a story to tell. Just poor shepherds out in the field that night. They encountered Jesus. They had to go and tell somebody. Hear me today. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Christmas is a time of celebration. And we celebrate family today here at City Church. Yes, we do. We love you. I celebrate my family. I pray you celebrate your family. I might not even met your family yet, but I love your family. We have some new family here from Reality Church. They've been here for the last couple of weeks, and we love you. Thank you for being with us today. I want you to know today that in this room, in this place today, it's a time that we celebrate. We celebrate the birth of Christ, the coming into the world. But we don't just celebrate our family today. We celebrate by singing songs, and those are powerful. In just a moment, we're going to sing joy to the world. We celebrate. We give gifts. But have you given God the greatest gift, the gift of your life, the most valuable thing you could give to him? And I mean, that's a fully surrendered life. Have you given that back to God? today for some of you the challenges who are you going to tell about what God has done in you